Hi, this is Laura Lee. Welcome to Better With Friends. This week, Andrea is taking a break, and I'm talking with my new friend, Shallon. We discuss friendship, her fascinating career in photography, what books we're reading, and she turns the table on me and asks a bunch of questions, too. I hope you enjoy our chat. Hi, I'm Andrea. And I'm Laura Lee. A few months ago, we met randomly and hit it off, only to discover we had spent four years of our mid-twenties together at the same university, getting the same degree, in the same exact class, and never got to know each other. Since then, we both have lived some life. We changed cities, got married, had kids, only to find ourselves once again in the same place at the same time for a second chance at friendship. We invite you to listen in as we explore how life can be better with friends. So welcome, Shallon. Thank you. To the pod. This is exciting. So Andrew and I are doing a summer series where we're interviewing other friends. And while you and I are not super close, we did have the wonderful experience of sharing a bus ride together on a grade four field trip to the zoo so Mm. if you can't bond through that i don't know what you can that's like the start of great foundations if you ask me right it's either going to make you or it's going to break you yeah and look at us yeah and you even sat with me on the way home too which i was just giddy so (laughs) so we met as moms of boys in grade four Yes. Well, actually, they were probably boys of grade two. Were they grade three? Three. We've been here for two years. Okay, so you know what? Grade three. Maybe it was grade three then. Yeah. Grade three. Yeah, Mrs. Steinke. Oh, she's so good. Yeah, sweetheart. Love her. So yes, yeah, so we. That's how we got to know each other. I feel like a lot of times in this stage of life, that's how we do get to meet people is through friends parents but sometimes it goes better than others <laughs> how do you very much how what would you say the balance of your friend origins are from these days is it from high school <sighs> university or college other groups i think the majority like when i look and like reflect on that and i haven't done that in a while they have been steadily picked up across life, I guess. Yeah. I only have maybe like one friend that I speak to that is from high school still, elementary school, really. Wow. Um, And we, and that friendship has like, we fell apart. We, we lost contact. And ironically, we were in the Chicago airport whoa i think i think it was chicago we were all coming back from different places and she came up to me and she was like and we were on the same plane and we live in different cities and she was like shallon and i like it made me so emotional like we both got really emotional because it had been like years maybe even like a decade since we'd seen each other and then we both flew back to calgary on that flight and she like we had like we hugged when she went to go catch her connector and i left and we were both like 
we were teary about it because there's just, there's just so much history in life in that, in those unspoken words in relationships. Yeah. So we still talk now. Oh, so that has been like a recharge thing, but I think the majority of my friends are, I don't have a lot of like really new friends. Like a lot of my friends also had kids before me. Okay. And they, like, I would say like one of my best friends, closest friends in Calgary, her kids have graduated. Oh, wow. Okay. And like my other, my other closest friends here and like have also got kids who are close to graduating and graduating. So like a lot of my friend groups, like my oldest friend groups have kids that have gone past stages that I'm currently in and have really become about finding more like, so I don't know if you find this, like, but when you like meet somebody, like we're so busy. Yeah. We like you're selective with how you want to share your time too. Right. And so I don't know, like it's that feeling of like wanting to have more friendships and then at the same time trying to create the time for all of it. So I think like the, the majority of like new friendships have come from my kids now that you make me think about it, (laughs) which is like, which is hard as an adult. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Do you struggle with that? I, well, okay. So I have some really close friends from Winnipeg. One that I've been friends with for many, many years. Um, I think Haley was just little, um, but I think prior to her being born. So she's almost 17. So we've, we've known each other for a while. My other really good friend, we met when my daughter and her daughter met in school at a new school and she was invited Haley was invited over to their place for a movie night or whatever and i looked at the the name and the like the last name and i knew the dad from bible college he was actually a good friend of mine from bible college and i said to Haley, okay i'm pretty sure this is the same people so she brought him up on facebook or i brought up on Facebook and to see the kids, to see if the kids matched who she was going to visit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's them. That's them. So I'm like, I'm dropping you off at this movie night. I have to say hi to John. And I get there. He wasn't there, but his wife Rhonda was. And so I told Rhonda the story of how I knew John from Bible college like years ago. And now our kids are friends. And isn't that so cool? And she and I hit it off. Now, like, we're amazing friends. So it's not even that it was just a casual friendship. Like we really, we hung out together, like forget the kids, like you're on your own. We're, we're going out for coffee, you know, whatever. And it was, and our families get along really well together. And so, yeah, I don't, I can't say that I've really kept in much contact with anyone from like where I grew up. And yeah. even Bible college, I might, you know, see them on Facebook or Instagram, but it's not really, it's not really the same relationship anymore. 
So a lot of the people are either from church or mm -hmm. maybe people I've met through kids with the exception of Andrea, who we did go to university together, but we just actually didn't really know each other. Like we really didn't spend a whole lot of time together when we were in all of the same classes. We, we met each other much later at church and then realized we'd had this weird connection and, and a friendship blossomed from there. And it's funny because yeah. we would have been thick as thieves had we known each other back then. It just. Do you think you would have been though? Well, you know what? She says we wouldn't have been because her mother was um, either, her mother had meningitis and when basically from when she was 13. So all of her teen years and she passed oh away uh, in her first or second year of interior design. And so she said, I wasn't really all that much fun to be with back then because I was going mm. through all of this. But just... I don't know. I often felt pretty disconnected from people there too, because I felt like I was the only person who went to church and everyone was mm -hmm. talking about going out and getting drunk on the weekends or, you know, after we finish this big project, we're just going to go to, you know, whatever. And I was like, I'm not really into that. That's not really my thing. So yeah. I feel like it would have been really wonderful to have known there was someone else out there who, you know, mm. had a, faith-based you know belief system and that would have been really kind of handy but maybe she's right maybe she wouldn't have been in the same headspace that she is now and kind of the wacky crazy person that i know her to be so i, I don't know it's interesting isn't it like yeah. where you have these relationships today and what they could have been yesterday yeah they may not like because we change and times change and who you end up being in that moment when paths cross again yeah there's something special about it because sometimes it works and sometimes the relationship is is no longer there yeah or like your interests are different or your life places are different or like there there just has to be like something yeah to like wand you and i guess that's why you lose touch with people too? people who you were yeah. really close with in high school or wherever, you know, life takes you in different directions and maybe it's just not the same anymore, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. Oh, that went way deeper than I was intending, but dead. I'm now really reflecting on all my friendships. <laughs> I feel like I didn't answer it properly because I have like other friendships that have been like brought to me through work relationships that and then there's like that bonding where you realize like you both have like different or like i suppose common interests or different things like it's in, friendships are interesting yeah well and i feel too with covid and people really taking mm -hmm. a step back there's it's twofold some people took a step too far back and now they're hesitant to get reconnected it seems like sometimes we have trouble totally maybe people just know their boundaries better now like what you were saying earlier about how much time you have to invest in a new friendship or in a relationship like that and you're kind of more protective of your time maybe covid helped people really see you know get let go of maybe friendships that weren't so edifying and that were not as healthy and really 
help them to focus on the ones that are, but they're unwilling to stretch themselves too far. Mm -hmm. But in another, in another way, I think it really affected some people who, who had a shaky foundation for friendships to begin with. Maybe I think of some single friends that I have who, you know, they don't necessarily have all of the resources like some of my husband's friends or some of my friends I've gotten to know through my husband like it's their wives or what have you or you know through kids parents if you don't have kids you don't have that kind of community to get to know people through Mm -hmm. heck if you didn't go to church as well like you would just be you would really only have your work people and then maybe if you had um like a hobby or something like if you had a club or some kind of activity that outside of work where you meet people like that that's it I I just would be really hard I think I think it would be too and I feel like so much of meeting people now is done online yeah and I don't whether that's like for like a relationship or even friendships like where I remember over maybe over COVID, I, I was feeling like that need of like, I need to like start surrounding myself with things and looking online at groups. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't commit to like, it, it made me, it's not that I couldn't commit, but it made me feel weird about <laughs> finding a group through something that I didn't know what the foundation of it even was Yeah, or anybody else in the group. Like it just, it was very weird to me. And I was just like, that isn't really my, my comfort zone to yeah. go that way completely. So I was like, and that will now just be closed. <laughs> And then close. Yeah. And even meeting with people like those, those girlfriends back from Winnipeg, we would, when we moved to Calgary, we would try to have Zoom hangouts or whatever. It's just not the same. It's just, you feel like you have to be making conversation, filling that void and really having, you know, meaningful screen time together. And it's not, it's not the same as just hanging out with someone where you oh can gosh. just be in their presence and not necessarily fill every second with talking. Right. Like the, just having like the comfort of like a person beside you yeah, or going and running errands and there's, you're just talking about random nothingness yeah. is the best. And there's no forcing of conversations. It's just all like sometimes great friendships and relationships just are filled with like all that beautiful randomness that happens in life because life is full of like all the little comments and all the things versus trying to create this perfect conversation while you're staring at somebody I find so (laughs) exhausting and you're just like am I like yeah like it's it's hard yeah yes So here we are staring at each other. (laughs) I know. I find this hard. (laughs) But, but not too bad. Is it, is it really awkward or is it? It, No, it's not. But I mean, it's not normal. (laughs) No. (laughs) Give you that. Well, we sat on the bus. I don't think we stared at each other. That's true. Like you sit side by side with somebody or you go have coffee with somebody. Like you're not staring at them yeah like it's a different sort of like 
personal pressure. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to put more pressure on you because we're going to get into what makes you, you. (laughs) Because I think you're fascinating. I want to just, I just want to fangirl a little bit. There was a time because I used to pick up my kids from school. You still pick up your kids from school because they're little, but mine is driving. My oldest is driving. So now all the chauffeuring duties are on her, which is pretty good. Do you even go with her now? No. Like, does she just go by herself? You just. Yeah. She takes the Yeah. She takes the van and it sits there and then she takes them home at the end of the day, which is wonderful because we're saving a little bit on gas, which is incredible oh my gosh yeah and your time and time yeah i would like the time you're 45 minutes in the morning and 45 minutes in the afternoon i get back yeah it's not bad anywho but early on we would i would sit in the van and wait or like we maybe Haley and i would wait for olivia and Jaden to get out or you know whatever whatever option it would be and and uh, oh, there! Look, there's Jack. That's your son and Jaden's buddy. And we, you know, or Jaden would yell at him. And Jaden always has to. Boys always have to do that thing where, even though they've just sat in a classroom with them all day long, they have to after school. Hey, hey, it's over here. I'm over yeah. here. You know, goodbye. Like whatever. Anyways, so, so he was pointing out Jack and and his mom and and I don't know that we'd even met each other yet. Maybe we had, but uh, but Haley was like, oh she has amazing clothes. I love the way she dresses. And then we would, we would like constantly see you coming and we'd like, Oh, wow. Look at that. Like, that's really awesome. You'd have like in the winter, these big puffy coats that just looked (laughs) totally cool and wide jeans before anyone was wearing wide jeans. Oh, honestly, girl. Yeah. So that was our first. That was our first, first kind of noticing of you. And so, yeah, we stalked you just a little bit. Sorry about that. But all in. I am not. Appreciation. (laughs) So when we sat on the bus together, I knew you had done something with photography because at some point I needed, like there was birthday parties. I needed an email address and you have a very unusual email address for just a personal email address. So, uh, I found out that you are a f- photographer of food. Is that accurate? It's true. Your, de- your detective is correct. Well, I may have had to look you up on the internet too for that. But anyways, has it always been food? No. Okay. No, not at all. So I started, so I've always loved photography. It's kind of always been my outlet of creativity. I love capturing a moment and being able to reflect back on it. And I lived overseas and then came back to Calgary to go to school again. And while I was overseas, I was in Taiwan. I was teaching English in Taipei and it was amazing. And then I came to Calgary and my intention of being in Calgary was to go to school and do a social development program for third world countries. And then I want to go off and travel again. Wow. I had previously gone to school to work with kids. And so I got to Calgary and I lasted two weeks in school. Oh. <laughs> and like, I can't do this. I think I had 
like a reflection, I had a little bit of reverse culture shock coming home. Fair. I found it really overwhelming being back home in Canada, Cal- like Calgary. And Calgary was new to me. I had not okay. lived in Calgary before. And I was just like, they're so... Li- Ooh. Have you lived overseas? You've lived overseas I have. before. Yeah. Afghanistan. Okay. So... I am very curious to hear about that because <laughs> I like, I don't know anybody who has ever done that, but, and I don't know if this would be the same for that situation, but like your offerings and, and now this is like 20 years ago Yeah, when I was in Taipei there, there wasn't a lot of North American food. You had to go to like certain areas to find it. Right. And I just found, I remember coming home and walking the grocery aisle and being like, oh my gosh, I can read everything. <laughs> everything is like, they're so, it's so tall. And like the aisles are just stocked with so much. And yeah. we have so much space in green space. Yeah. And I was just so overwhelmed by how much we have here. So anyway, and I had just been teaching English and then I were, I just reversed the role on myself and went to being the student and I had a really hard time with it. Uh, I was just like, I don't think I can do this. So I dropped out of school. I called my mom and I was like, this is what I'm thinking. She's like, try it a year. And I was <laughs> like, I hadn't actually admitted to her that I had already like dropped out Yeah. <laughs> or had looked at dropping out or stopping or whatever we want to call it. Withdrawing. And I went and taught, I ran it out of school care center. And then my now husband, we were talking, he's like, you should look into photography. And so he ended up connecting me with a commercial photographer in the city. And I went and met her and I adored her and found her fascinating. And we just really hit it off. And at that time she had an assistant. And so eventually I went to working nights in a restaurant and freed up my daytime schedule so that when, if, and when she had photo shoots, I would go shadow Ah. her assistant and her and see like what the whole scope of what they, like what actually happened on a commercial photo shoot, which was like, sorry. I was just gonna say, were they shooting interiors or were they shooting food or anything just anything that she 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 shot everything okay like interiors um food people like it was like a it was an amazing place for me to learn because i am more of a hands-on learner versus a, a studying learner yeah And so from there, I took a few classes and then over this time, I started a wedding company, a wedding photography company, and it was called Shallon Photography. And I was really blessed. I was busy. It was amazing. I spent my summers photographing weddings and I loved it. Like it was amazing. Isn't that the most stressful photography you can do though? It was bonkers. <laughs> like right off the deep end. It was it was really, really intense. It so what I really cherished about it and took very seriously is that it was a bride, a groom, and me. Together. I know it's their day, <laughs> but I was a part of it. 
And like, you have to go in with the right energy. You have to go in with the right calmness. You have to go in being able, there's a lot of personalities present on a day. Oh yeah. And I showed up at the very beginning of the day, like when the bride was getting ready and I stayed until like some point in the reception most times. Yeah. Like the crazy long day. And then some days I would repeat it the next day for another wedding. And so it was, and then the editing was exhausting. And like, it was just, it was so much, but it was so rewarding and so fun. And from there, I also like started doing family photography and like newborn photography and that scope of things. And that was probably, I did that, I think for two or three years and I photographed over a hundred weddings Whoa! and it was amazing. Like just so beautiful. And it was really, I think it was like at that time, a little bit where weddings were starting to transition into having more choice, like personal choice, not trying to fit into so much tradition. Okay. And so like, I got to be part of like some really unique weddings, which I loved. And like, I was just, I loved it. And then I started to feel like I shouldn't, I stopped, I stopped appreciating why I was there. Okay. Like I started to feel the burnout, I think uh-huh. is probably what we would have called it then, but we didn't use that word yet. <laughs> Um, ahead of your time. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was, I was like, I need to do something that fills me. Cause I think as a creative, and I'm sure you can appreciate this as a creative in your industry too, like you have to work in my opinion, anyway, you, you should work on things that I need to work on things. I should say this. I need to work on things that fill me up. Okay. That I'm passionate about because the more passionate about it I am and the more like the more interested I am, the more like the more all in you are and it shows through your work. Right. Like it it just it oozes passion and it oozes different energy versus trying to do a rinse and repeat of something that you are just you're not there for the right reasons. And I think on somebody's wedding day, you need to be there for the right reasons because yeah. those are forever memories for couples, for families, and they're precious. Yeah. And also within that time, Jason and I had started talking, Jason's my husband, and I, we were starting to talk about family planning. So I would work all weekends and he worked Monday to Friday. Yeah. So we also were like high-fiving each other. <laughs> and so I love travel and I love food and culture and people. And food is one of those things in my perspective that ties us all together. And that is kind of what I leaned into. Mm-hmm. And that is why I started Salt Food Photography because I felt like at the time I went through a branding exercise with a company. And so now this is before Instagram also, and okay. like social media, Okay, just to date myself. <laughs> I was talking to a company and they're like, their advice to me at the time, they're like, you need to come up with a different name 
because if we were to hire you and we saw that you did wedding photography or lifestyle photography, you wouldn't be who we would want to work with as a corporate client. So that was then. Whereas now I feel like lifestyle photography has changed so much that you can kind of, and as a photographer, you can, if you want to or choose to perhaps try to do it all and the right clients will find you. Right. So that was the advice that was given to me then. And so I went and basically restarted, refreshed with a brand new company name. And that's why I chose salt because salt is a form of salt is used in all food, Hmm. whether it is in some capacity and salt, I don't know, in my opinion, always brings out the best flavors in food. Right. So, and that's what I think of when I hear salt food photography, that's you're making it better. You're presenting it the best self that works. Yeah. So that's why I went the road I went and, and how I kind of ended up where I am today. Wow. So Mm. how did you get those first jobs? How did you find food to photographize? Photographs? Thank you. (laughs) I think I made a new word. (laughs) I think you might have. I kind of like it. I went out and was like, I would like to volunteer and photograph food. And like, that's kind of how I started. Okay. And then I was really fortunate with having some connections and got to have connections to create clients. So would your clients mostly be restaurants who are putting menus together or is it magazine work or where exactly do you mostly work? So over the last 10 years, it's changed a lot. I feel like magazine work had, I used to do more magazines and that has started to shrink because I feel like magazines are shrinking a little bit. And restaurants, doing restaurant work, but also I find for myself, the companies that I, I gravitate to, or they gravitate towards me are companies that are larger, who are doing more campaign work. So we do where we build out photo shoots and sets and are building different seasonal campaigns Okay, that are some for restaurants, some are for like, like quick service foods. And I worked with such a great, I don't work with them as I don't work with them now, but they were, um, a Calgary based small wares company. Hmm. So like their small wares were just, are so beautiful. It, It kind of finds me in different ways. Okay. Yeah. That sounds really fascinating. And your days are not as long, I would imagine. I mean, maybe they could be, but they're not like a 12 hour wedding day. They kind of can be. Can they? Oh no, that's not good. (laughs) Sometimes it depends on the client. It depends what the shot list is. It depends on kind of what the requirements are, but they don't happen every week. Okay. So that is the gift of it. So when I started working with a commercial photographer back in the day, she warned me she's like, this industry, you will not be working every day. You do not work depending on like what your or who you want your clients to be. 
So it works out well for me because I have little kids Yeah, that I work because there's the shooting and then there's the editing right? and the prep and the, the pre-production meeting, like it all adds up. So all of that time is not just one day. It's like, okay, it doesn't yeah. just happen in one day. Like there's so many other details leading up to it, but I don't always have photo shoots booked every single week, right? which allows me some flexibility to breathe a little bit and recover from 12 hour days. Because <laughs> I am not 20 years younger as I was <laughs> yes. before. Darn it. I know. So it's annoying. Uh, aging. Do you have any fun stories that you could share where something went horribly wrong or you had uh, maybe a subject now we're talking food that just wasn't cooperating or like, I don't know, anything kind of come to mind or even like um, you were asked to shoot something and you were like, this is not worth photographing, but here I am. Got to do it. Got to make um, the best of the situation. I think the general challenge is like when you get presented with something to photograph and this might not be the fun story you're looking for, but the general takeaway of it is like with whatever we're photographing, there is often the challenge of being like, you see a dish, like if you were to sit down at a restaurant and you get presented a dish and it looks amazing. When you photograph it, it doesn't always look the same way through the camera as it does visually because yeah. also in addition to when you see it visually you also have other senses going on you have oh, the smell okay. you have you have lighting in a restaurant like you have all those beautiful moments that like that create that moment of food arrival for you okay so in through the camera lens you have to find your your stars <laughs> like your star's best angle, really. Uh-huh. And it, and you can be talking about a steak. You can be talking about a beautiful salad. You can be talking about a beverage, whatever it is. The angle as to what you see it as is what you, you have to find that magic moment, that magic place that makes everybody go, that's it. Huh. Because you might think you're going to shoot it like at a three quarter angle and you shoot it and you're just like, it feels flat or it feels not as fabulous as you want it to be versus you shoot it top down. Or if you shoot it top down, it feels very flat because you're looking at it like right without as much dimension. No perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it really is about finding that. And then, but also having to lean into what your client's purpose is for the image. Like if they're using it for advertising, do they need copy? How much real estate do they need around the image for copy? Mm. Or same like for books too. Like if you photograph things for books, like what is your bleed on pages? What is, is there going to be copy? Is it going to be cropped in? Is it going to be vertical or horizontal? Like there's so like trying to figure out where it's going to live and then creating something that can live in live into the space that you've been presented with, like putting that puzzle into. Wow. So there's a lot of technical. Yeah. There's a lot more technical, I think, than, 
I guess I imagined that you would take these amazing pictures and then they would crop them if they needed them less, you know, periphery and whatever. But you really have to sort of know that before you go in there or else you just take a variety, I guess. You're just there forever taking yeah and so every possible purpose (laughs) yeah and then so like if you have a website you have banners on websites that are super thin and very horizontal but they need something that is going to live as a printed piece that's going to be vertical so when you create two products out of that one image or do you have to shoot everything individually and provide the client two separate pieces. Wow. Or can you try to do double duty or, and then how's it going to live in social? Like it's yeah. because wow. you really want things to like live as evergreen as possible also because people are paying money for this. So you want something that's going to, to have some, some living, some living space because everything is so instant now. Yeah. You like see it on social, you swipe through it, like, but you need to be able to repurpose that and like, let it live on a little bit longer somewhere else too. Mm. Wow. Uh, Do they use the actual food that they would serve or do they use the hacks like with using um, fat as ice cream or other things to keep from melting? And I don't know. Um, For the most part, I would say that is not done anymore. Oh, okay. So like, I think it was mashed potatoes as ice cream. Okay. Yes. Yes. Like that sort of thing. I think I also believe with some big companies, I worked with a gal who used to work with Kraft Foods out in Toronto and like they would, you know how, like, if you look at a box of mac and cheese, that little noodle that sits on the fork. Yeah how it says underneath like actual food size varies or is different (laughs) image is bigger than real life or whatever it is. There's, um, I think, I believe that there are like legal, like laws that you have to follow in terms of some things like as what you're representing as food okay, and what you're going to get like. So I feel like because craft is craft, craft might have their own umbrella as to the rules and regulations that you have to follow. So I don't, I haven't done that, but I do know like with clients I've worked with, like you want your food to look as beautiful as possible. So maybe we fluff it up with extra lettuce, Yeah, but we're not putting in extra. I think also they used to use motor oil for syrup. Is that a thing? Oh, that could be. Yeah. But I feel like that all happened like a long time ago. Okay. Because now I think there's actually, I think it's beautiful. Like if you're taking pictures of ice cream and the ice cream gets all drippy and messy, I think those make beautiful pictures too, because it's real. Yeah. And how maybe if you are taking pictures of ice cream and you get like that great moment and then you've got like drips happening, maybe then the client can use those other pictures for something else. Or maybe you have hands holding an ice cream cone and they're getting messy. That also can become something the client can use for something else. So like you can kind of like get your one planned image and then kind of grow that library for them a little bit by how the food organically changes. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. I've heard things like with McDonald's, 
where they would put cardboard between the layers so that the burger would have more height and not look as smushed down as it normally does. But then mm -hmm. didn't someone try to sue them for false advertising? And maybe now they're not allowed to do that anymore. I'm not sure. But no, but really, like, I'm not going to McDonald's because I want I'm expecting like my food to look like those pictures. Yeah. That's not what McDonald's is. Right. Either. Yeah. They just have an amazingly fabulous marketing team yeah. to make beautiful pictures. But that's not why I'm going. Yeah. I'm going for French fries. Yes. Yes. Like yes. fabulously salted <laughs> French fries. Yeah. Uh, that's good. So you, where did you grow up? I grew up in BC. Oh, okay. So not too far from Calgary. No. Okay. And then you lived in Thailand for how long? No, no, Taiwan. Oh, Taiwan. Sorry. Taiwan. Just less than a year. Okay. Yeah. How long were you in Afghanistan for? We were there for nine months, but that's where my husband grew up. So he basically, well, near and around. He also moved around to Uzbekistan and lived there for a period of time. And I think by Thailand was on my brain it was because they would go to Thailand for vacation. Okay. And then they'd come back instead of traveling across the sea to get back to Canada. So he grew up very much feeling like a third culture kid. And his mom had the exact same grocery experience upon coming back for furlough, probably the first time they came back. I think their first furlough they were missionaries in Afghanistan was quite a number of years in. It was such a huge trip. They didn't do this very often. And I remember her saying when she came back, she was in the grocery store and there was just so much. There was just so much. She couldn't, she was so overwhelmed. She just turned around and left. And it was just, yeah. So I, I think for me, I didn't have that same sense of culture shock because maybe the time amount of time was just a little bit less but i think that in my mindset it was this is a temporary situation mm. and it's novel and it's interesting and it's you know it's cool while i'm here but i'm not getting attached to it because i don't plan on being here you know i mean nine months is still a fairly long time but it's still temporary yeah so coming back it was nice to see oh i missed this oh this is wonderful um but i don't i wasn't ever in a similar situation i guess i'm just i don't know because i've heard of other people going on short-term mission trips who've had the same feeling of overwhelming maybe guilt that there's so mm. much here but there's not so much everywhere else in the world so true so when i when i so i came to calgary and jason and i were together and we drove this is shortly after i got back we drove to edmonton and i i believe i'd been to edmonton before uh, on like maybe like a family trip and we were driving and i was looking out the window and I had to like turn like that. Like I remember very much like turning and like protecting the side of my face because I was in tears by how much green space there was, like how much uh, farmland there was, 
and how, how vast it is because I had been living in the inner city and kids would go to a park to play and the park the park is like maybe like the size of like your living room perhaps Uh yeah you know like as a green space and that's like where everybody is going to like that tiny green space like it was just so or just being like wow like there's so like we have so much room to breathe here yeah and just being like i trying trying to like just protect myself being like he's gonna think i am crazy that i'm crying <laughs> at now. so we're just gonna try to keep this under wrap um but it is it's overwhelming how long have you done other missions trips um do, 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 do. no not well yeah not really um not out of country like that where you really get what were you doing for like that I like, I just don't even know where to start asking questions. about that. Like, what, were, <laughs> what were you doing? Like how, and how does his family end up there? Like that just seems like such a like unusual place to hear a people doing missions work. Yeah. It was kind of a crazy story and I'm sure I won't get all the details right, but Dan's dad was a manager, I guess at a, Christian bookstore in Winnipeg he or an accountant for it maybe he was more of like an accountant for it and after a while he just kind of thought this isn't really what I want to do with my life and uh how about we do submissions so he and his wife they had yeah they had three kids at the time I I assume when they were looking into this and they found a ascending organization and they you know, the organization was like, where do you want to go? And they're like, we'll just send us wherever you need people. And so they said, okay, well, how about Kabul? And they're like, yeah, sure. We, we've never been to Africa. And uh, they're like, that's not in Africa. <laughs> so like, they literally had no idea about this country they were going to it was just completely it was like throwing a dart basically you know, and i'm sorry is that the... is that word that you did was it cobble yeah cobble is that a town or is that a country or a state cobble is the city okay the main uh, would you call it the capital city i don't i think so like that's i think one of the most major cities there okay and yeah um and they took three kids there? They took three kids. And then I guess some, I'm assuming, I don't know exactly the timeline, but I'm assuming you don't go right away. So in, in that planning time, Dan was born and he was only <laughs> five months old. Are you serious? Yeah. That's amazing. And when yeah. was this? Like in the late seventies. Wow. So their oldest was probably, oh, sorry. I Somehow I gave them an extra kid. They have three kids total. So they would have had two girls at the time. And then he was, okay. a, I don't know how I gave them an extra kid. Sorry. Um, so probably their oldest was maybe five or six at the time. And then they had a five-month-old. Wow. That so is basically, like living your life in faith. Wow. Yeah. So basically he grew up there. He was a blonde haired, blue eyed Afghan boy. 
and he you know really you know feels like that's his culture it now he's been in canada longer than he's been there but for the longest time he really felt displaced for most of his life he didn't really fit in anywhere and um so yeah his sense of culture shock was much greater and he always when we started dating he always wanted to go back and i was like look I'm not even sure I want to do missions, but probably I would consider something in Hawaii, like maybe possibly that maybe could work for me. You know, do you got something like that? And it just kind of turned out in the way our, our life worked that he was a pilot trying to get work in Canada post 9-11, which was not easy. And I was an interior designer doing a term position with the company and that term came to an end and we both sort of were unemployed at the same time. So I thought to myself, what have we got to lose? We don't own property. We don't have children. If we're going to do something, I would rather not do it with a five month old. Thank you very much. So let's do it now. So uh, his father had actually died in a plane crash uh, going from Afghanistan to Uzbekistan. So we had gone there for his memorial services and because uh, they had been working there for 20 some years at this point. So he had a lot of connections and a lot of people wanted to provide a service for closure. So we were there for two weeks, I think, going back and forth between Uzbekistan and Afghanistan and picking up all of Dan's mom's things and bringing them back to Canada. And, and while we were there, he made connections with a communications organization called PACTEC and it's Partners in Aviation and Communication. So they fly missionaries uh, in and out of the various parts of Afghanistan. And they also run a satellite communication business for nonprofit organizations as well. Okay. And when he was growing up, like that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to be a missionary pilot. That's wow. what he wanted to do, which scared me to death. And then why did that scare you? Because I did not ever want to do anything related to missions. I did not ever want to live in like a third world country. I'm just very unnerved by that whole idea. It was just not my comfort zone. Yeah. And so the fact that he wanted to be a missionary pilot in a place that was that far away, that potentially dangerous was just a lot. Anywho, so one of these, the directors contacted him and said, hey, we'd love to have you. If you ever want to come down and volunteer for a month or two, we'd love to have you here. So he decided to go with them for a month. I stayed back in Canada with his mom and he went back for a month just to work in the hangar and just to just soak in Afghanistan in a different way than when he was a kid. Would that have been really therapeutic for him too, after losing his dad? Oh, like, that? like was it? I think so. I think so. Cause a lot of people there knew him and a lot of people that he would have grown up with. A lot of families were still living there. And so you know, he could connect with all these people that he had all these familial ties to, basically. So yeah, you're right. That it would have been very therapeutic. He came back and that was great and he had a great time. And then and then we had this period of both being unemployed at the same time. And so I just said, Okay, how about how about 
how about we see if they're willing for two of us to come out? And I didn't, another thing I didn't want to have to do was to raise support. So I was like, like, let's just be short and sweet and we'll just, you know, and then we'll come back and we'll look for jobs. But they said, oh, no, we'll pay you. You don't have to raise support. Uh, we have funds or grants for, you know, short term positions. So we can just use that. But instead of like three months, could we do a few more? And I was like, like five months? And they're like, how about nine? What? So anyways, we went for nine months. And I worked in the office doing kind of accounting for the satellite portion. And then he was a pilot. Yeah. And how was that for you? It was fascinating. And there were definitely times where I felt very uncomfortable. Why? But I, Why were you? Un um, well, the whole women culture <laughs> aspect of Kabul is different, right? And it, it can feel oppressive, but basically because as a woman you're you have to dress quite modestly you have to have your head covered yep. at all times the taliban was there but they weren't really um hugely in power in kabul while we were there so it wasn't really dangerous in that way with the taliban but i still the way it was explained to me and i'll explain it to you was it's sort of like here culturally if a girl were to walk around in a bikini people would think certain things about her modesty and it would give you an impression of her that is not great you know does she have the right to walk around in a bikini if she'd like to yes she does is it against the law no it's not but generally you don't encourage your daughters to just walk around in a bikini all the time because it's just not culturally appropriate. So there, keeping your head covered, keeping your legs covered, keeping your arms covered, that was more culturally acceptable. People would still stare at you because you have white yeah. skin, but they would not like ogle you. It was very, it seemed like if you were, if your head was uncovered or you wore American type clothes or Canadian Western clothes, shorts, whatever, you would really get stared at and not like construction workers here maybe making cat calls or whatever but people would just look at you and it would be very obvious that you did not belong yeah. so i didn't appreciate the fact that in 40 plus degrees i always had to be covered you know it was very hot and whatever so um and there was even a time where i remember wearing this, I got these tunics and they were very sheer, like very light cotton. You couldn't quite see through them, but they were very, very, very lightweight cotton. Cause I figured if I have to be wearing long sleeves and long everything and your butt had to be covered and whatever, I'm just going to get the lightest possible material. And I think either the neckline was just a little bit low or it was one of the colors was just a little more sheer than some of the other ones. Cause I just would like, okay, that fits. I'll get five. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And one of the older gentlemen there who'd been in, in the country for quite a while took me aside and says, I don't know if Daniel's told you this, but what you're wearing might be considered a little risque. Oh. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm sorry. This is as good as but it the is. Fact that he, but the fact that he took you aside and told you that is so nice yeah. that somebody is willing to go out of that comfort zone to say, you know what? 
this is this is you just need to know this because yeah. so often it's an uncomfortable yeah. conversation and you don't want to offend yeah. anybody or maybe that's just more our culture i don't know but yeah the fact that they somebody took you aside and told you that but yeah I probably did not receive it very well. Yeah. Oh yeah. I just kept on wearing it. I was like, look, Dan has said it's okay. He's lived here longer than you have. Frankly, I'm not going to worry about it. <laughs> have you kept your tunics and like those? Oh, have I kept? Yeah. Oh no. I grew out of them a long time ago. <laughs> I bought them at winners though. They weren't anything special. Oh, I did I get clothes okay. made there. Yeah, I did get some outfits made there, but they were never as comfortable. They never really fit right. Oh, interesting. The, okay. The tailors there would, some of them were better than others. Yeah. So sometimes what you got back fit and sometimes it didn't. Surprise, it doesn't. Yeah. So I didn't keep it. And I was, I still have a lot of the scarves and things that I covered okay. my head with, but that's about all that I kept. Okay. Yeah. Would you recommend doing that to somebody else? Would you recommend that experience? It definitely. Of like doing missions i don't know specifically to that area yeah like... yeah i don't even know like dan would love to take our kids there so they could see where he grew up it just really isn't safe there right now yeah. especially for anyone white because they uh taliban will just assume you're there to evangelize and they shoot first and ask questions later so that's not ideal I don't know that I could do that. And yet there's still families there who've been there since Dan was a kid and they're still I see. still doing it. So, I mean, that's amazing. But for me, that that's really testing my, my comfort level. Um, and then also having girls, like having girls and going there, it would be different, I think, if we had boys. Mm -hmm. But girls, uh, that's, it's... Uh, far more dangerous for girls to be there, I think, than, than boys these days. Anywho, yeah, it's it was a really amazing eye-opening experience, that's for sure. And I think it is really good for anyone to experience a country where they don't have as much as the West, because you just, you take for granted so many things. And I think that would be um, really worthwhile for people mm -hmm. to get an appreciation for even though you can probably you know you could think about it but if you don't live it i don't know that it's it, as meaningful no i think to i think it's such a gift to have an experience yeah and not maybe be a tourist like actually Ooh, yeah you know try to try to live there and honestly our living situation was pretty first rate we because the the sending organize or the organization that we were going with, you know, we were treated very well. We had always a house to live in. We didn't have to look for housing. We were usually just kind of house sitting for people who went home on furlough. So we didn't have to buy furniture or anything like that. We just would land in a house that was already set up and working. Most of the expat homes had um, like guards for their gated homes properties mm -hmm. and also these guards would do household things for you if you needed help cleaning your floors or hanging laundry or whatever there's usually a day one and a night a night guard and uh 
they would be bored. Like often they would just be kind of bored. So they would like one of them uh, at one of the homes that we were with, he really loved gardening. So he would do a lot of the gardening and um, another one really liked to help the woman of the house with doing, you know, like household chores. And so she would sometimes have him do household chores or cooking like you could. Yeah. So it was, we wouldn't even have to do our own grocery shopping. We could send our guards to the market to get groceries because they'd get better prices than we would. And they would know where Mm -hmm. to go to get the freshest things or, you know, the safest things to eat that weren't going to make us sick or. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So even though we were living there, it still was a bit of a charmed life. Got it. Yeah. But yeah, it was very interesting. Whew. So for a 15 minute episode, we've gone a little bit over. <laughs> um, I have another question for you. Okay. I know okay. you're asking me questions, but I wanted to ask you, okay. um, what are you reading right now? What am I reading? This is kind of where our conversations on the bus. That's right. Are going. Okay. Well, I am reading and I, like I told, I told Dan the other day, okay, I'll tell you the book first and I'll tell you my issue. It's called All the Light I Cannot See, and it won a Pulitzer Prize. Uh, it has won many, many awards. It's about this. Nazi yeah. Germany yeah. on one hand and uh, a blind uh, 15-year-old girl in Paris on the yeah. other hand. Apparently, their lives intersect somehow, but I'm more than halfway through the book and this hasn't happened yet. I find it really depressing. It's just very depressing to hear the the german side like i guess i guess if i'm understanding this correctly uh wealthy german children were given this opportunity to go to these special schools and it seemed like a really amazing opportunity for these kids but really they were turning them into soldiers and their parents wouldn't know and just brutal things were happening inside these schools so reading about this this german boy going to the school is just it's not uplifting it's not a happy summer read like nasty things are happening and it's just heartbreaking yeah. and then this girl her father and her fled paris to a safer part of france to get away from i guess occupation and at some point her father disappears and we assume he's in a concentration camp oh my gosh and her life is just you know because he was her whole world and she's blind and you know so there's that side of the story isn't very uplifting and positive either and i just kind of feel like you know how sometimes when you read a book there's a trajectory and you think it's going in a direction i have no idea what the direction is and i'm more than halfway through the book and i just so i told dan the other day i'm like i'm just gonna read 50 pages a day and I'll be finished it in four days and then I'll be done. And then I can move on to something that I I think I'm going to enjoy reading. And he's like, well, why don't you just stop reading it now? And I'm like, well, because it's won all these awards. And I feel like at some point, maybe it'll redeem itself. But it hasn't happened yet. And I'm tired of waiting. He's like, why would you think it's going to redeem itself? You never like any Oscar winning movies or any Oprah book club books. Like, I, I feel like... You're going to be disappointed. <laughs> so, 
I think I am going to be disappointed. So are you going to carry it out or are you going to oh, jump off? I have a hard time just leaving it, especially when I'm like three quarters of the way through. Yeah. I'd rather just blitz and just try to get it done. But last night I fell asleep before I could finish my 50 pages for the day. So kudos for you for having a goal of 50 pages. <sighs> Sometimes if I can read five pages, I feel like I just won a medal. <laughs> So good for you. Well, that's the only redeeming quality of the book is that the chapters are very short, like maybe two pages oh, long. I like that. And so some yeah. of the pages are like only half filled. So to say 50 pages is they're not full the terminology of the time or how things were working in history. And so some of it, I think, is going over my head. And then I'm going to read a Veronica Mars book, just something completely different. Oh. <laughs> um, that is very different. <laughs> yes. Very, very different. Yeah. A good little mystery, but also Veronica Mars based. It'll be fun. Okay. Have you read a lot of Veronica Mars before? There's only two that I'm aware of. Okay. Only two books. And I, I only... didn't even know that there was a book. I know. Neither did I. And it's written by Rob Thomas, the same guy who wrote the series and the movies okay. so they follow pretty close to the series i listened to the other one on audiobook recently and it was excellent it was read by Kristen bell and she does all of the voices and it was fantastic okay and i was looking for this one to be on audiobook but i couldn't find it so i i just got it from the library okay that's exciting that sounds like that's your carrot at the end of your Yes. Yeah. That's what I usually try to do if I'm reading something a little heavier. Okay. Break it up with something really light or mm -hmm. something really fun. Cause I can't read heavy. Even if it's a book I really enjoy, like some of the mystery books I like reading are very detailed and, and like there's, it's not funny when you're going through it. It's very somber and, you know, like real life medical examiner kind mm -hmm. of mysteries or something. So then I have to break that up with something that's quite light and fluffy afterwards just to detox for a bit. It sounds smart. Yeah. Balance. Are you reading something fun right now? I just finished a great book called Remarkably Bright Creatures. Okay. Never heard of it. It is so good. It was such a great, easy read. And it's about an octopus huh. as the like, main character. Okay. And... <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it was just, he's a, he's like that main character and there's like, he's got some supporting staff, some supporting well. characters, but it was, it was really, really good. Okay. A girlfriend told me about it, I think probably like a year ago and she listened to it on, like she listened to it. So I went to the library to go reserve it and there was like a hundred other people in line for this book. Wow. And I was very much at that time. I was like, nope, I'm only getting books from the library. I am not buying books. Yeah. And about, I guess like six weeks ago, I broke and <laughs> I bought it. And I'm so pleased I did. Okay. I'm pleased. It was so good. I'm going to add it to my Goodreads list. Yeah, you should. And then I read before, and I think this is when we were talking, I started reading called Eva, it was it's Evelyn Hugo and her seven husbands or the seven husbands of 11 Evelyn Hugo oh yeah like yeah that. yeah 
Haley has read that. Because I have been reading books upon books or trying to be reading books upon books that are like self-help books. They're like mental health or physical health or whatever. And I was just not feeling excited. So now I've started reading stories again and I feel really excited about reading. Like I feel like invigorated for reading. Yeah. Like it's a completely different feeling and excitement versus what I was feeling before. Excellent. Mm -hmm. It is excellent. I, would you recommend that book? The 11 husbands of whatever. I actually really liked it. It was, it had been, I think it's been on a bunch of, I've seen it about. Oh yeah. It was a really easy read. It was not exactly what I thought it would be. Okay. And it was kind of, it was, yeah, it was just an easy, good read. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, it's in my house. So at some point, if I ever run out of the books in a pile, I will go into Haley's room and grab it. But I've currently signed up for the Remarkably Bright Creatures on the library as an audio book, because I feel like that would be good as an audio one. I don't know. All right. That is so crazy. About an octopus. Well, this has just been delightful. It has been. Thank you. And I might need to get back to work now. So we'll have to say goodbye for now, but maybe we can catch up over coffee. I like it. Yes, please. And talk about more. Yes, please. I feel like I have more questions for you. Okay. (laughs) So you have a great day. Thank you. We will talk soon. Thanks so much. Sounds good. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and that it sparks new conversations with friends in your life. Please follow and subscribe to Better With Friends wherever you listen to podcasts and tell your friends too. We'd appreciate a five-star rating and a nice review. We are on Instagram at betterwithfriends.pod and you can email us at betterwithfriends@outlook.com. We would really love to connect with you. Until next time, bye!